0: It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theatres June 14. Get tickets now.
1: You're listening to Slice of Cheese with Jenny Linford on Food FM. Savour the crunch of Peter's Yard sourdough crackers. Available at Waitrose,
0: Tesco, Sainsbury's, Morrison's, Ocado, Amazon and specialist food retailers. To find out more about Food FM and our content, go to foodfmradio.com.
2: Hello. Welcome to A Slice of Cheese, the Food FM radio series that celebrates the world of cheese. I'm Jenny Linford, a food writer and cheese enthusiast, the author of Great British Cheeses. Cheese is a delicious and fascinating food, and we're setting out to explore this remarkable food and share the stories of the people who make, sell and love it. Cheese is a food which partners well with certain foods. Crackers, fruit, chutneys leap to mind. And this, of course, drinks. It's always useful to hear from the experts, and we have a great line-up for you. The Guardian's acclaimed wine writer Fiona Beckett shares her thoughts on how to pair cheese with low-alcohol and non-alcoholic drinks. Emma Young, author of The Cheese Wheel, tells us how she sets about understanding and pairing cheese. Wine and food writer Mark Millen shares his insights into the world of Italian wine and cheese. And Svetlana Kukoczok, Acker, the cheese lady, author of the Cheese Connoisseur's Handbook, reveals some excellent guiding principles.
0: Online, on smart speakers, and on listen again, this is Food FM.
2: So, this week on A Slice of Cheese, we're talking about pairing cheese. I'm very happy to have with me today Fiona Beckett. She's very well known as the Guardian's drinks writer and is the author of, of books both on cheese and on drinks. So, very well qualified to be here. Hello, Fiona. Hello, Jenny. Fiona, I was I wanted to obviously get your advice and insight into this issue of, of matching drinks with cheese. I mean one one of the things I've noticed um in the sort of the drinks world is the rise of low alcohol drinks. And um, I was really interested in asking you how you thought that goes when you you know when you start to pair cheese with low alcohol drinks. What would are your thoughts there?
3: Well the obvious pairing of wine is not really available. Um although I do think the quality of alcohol-free wines is improving. I tasted a couple just before this recording. I thought, actually, they're not bad. Um, mm. If you couldn't drink at all, um, you know, you, you, you could get by. But there are other drinks which actually are pretty near their, um, you know, alcoholic equivalents. Um, beer being the main example. And actually, beer goes really, really well with cheese. So um, no loss there. Right. That's interesting.
2: So do you just follow the same guidelines that you would with low alcohol beer that you would with beer and cheese? Are there certain styles of beer that go well with certain styles of cheese? Yes, there
3: are. Um, And there are some styles of beer, for example, wheat beers, which aren't quite as um, common in their alcohol free um, versions. Um, I mean, I like a wheat beer with a goat cheese, for example, but there are some pretty good alcohol free lagers that work really well. Stouts um, and porters go really, really well with a blue. Hoppy ales tend to go very well with cheddar and other sort of British territorial cheeses. So, there's, I mean, there's quite a lot of scope there. Um, I don't think you really miss out. And there's no harm in having a slight touch of fruitiness or sweetness with, with cheese because we often do that in terms of a cheese accompaniment. Right,
2: that's interesting. And is that something that you'd get
3: in low-alcohol, I mean, drinks? Is that, do you get those flavors? I mean, both in alcoholic and non-alcoholic drinks, You, I mean, you get quite a lot of beers that have a hoppy character that actually uses hops that are kind of very fruity, very citrusy or very peachy, and those can go really well with cheeses.
2: Mm, interesting. You know, you, you're you seeing the rise of all these, these drinks and this low-alcohol scene, and do you think those makers... Are thinking of their drinks to go with food? Are, are they seeing the potential of, of being able I, to
3: match? I, I think their main um, their main drive is actually to make drinks that are that are drinkable. I mean, you know, and that people want to drink. I don't think um, drink pairing is probably top of their agenda, but you know, they want people to actually have bottles on the table and, and not just sort of maybe drink them on a train you know, <laughs> or, or you know before a drive. So. You know, I think it is relevant. What I would say is that is easiest to get your head round. Really, is the whole issue of fruit and cheese. I mean, fruit goes, different kinds of fruits go really, really well with cheese. Um, and there are kind of non-alcoholic versions of most fruits that you can think of. And if you if you if you get into your head and you think, well, you know, would an apple, for example, be good with this kind of cheese or a pear? Or would a few cherries be nice? And then think, well, is there a drink like this? There pretty well almost is, you know. Um, That's a really good point, isn't that? You're absolutely
2: right. I mean, I would always have, you know, I eat cherries. I like, in in summer, there's a moment where I always try and make sure that I've eaten fresh ripe cherries with a paroche goat's cheese, which is a very fresh, sort of delicate goat's cheese. But I just really like that, the two flavours. get. I like the freshness of the cheese with a with a juicy, sort of slight tanginess of the
3: cherries, yes, yeah, so so cher- and also with sort of brie-style cheeses. I mean, not when they're kind of, you know, sumptuously ripe. Sometimes, you know, that's a bit challenging. But there are lovely cherry cordials around. So actually, if you think, well, okay, cherries go with 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 the cheese I like. So maybe there's a drink like that. And I mean, you know, there's a lot of shops now where you can walk in health food shops or or actually bottle shops of all kinds where you can find a range of alcohol-free apples I mean you know apples probably one of the easiest ones to focus on because you've got you've got apple juice and that's not just you know the one kind of apple juice you've got blends but you've also got single varietal apples you've got you know some sort of quite tart apple drinks and you've got kind of you know richer more rounded apple drinks you've got alcohol-free cider so there's there's you know, and you think about how well those would go overall with a cheese board. I think apples are probably one of the most flexible drinks of all. That is a yes, that's very
2: interesting. And um, Yeah, and I've had some lovely cider and cheese combinations. And you're absolutely right about the difference between, you know, when you get to down, go down the single varietal routes, there's such a range of flavours. Um, some are very delicate and sweet and some are much, yeah, more sort of biting and juicy, sort of acidic in a way. So, so that'd be sort of fun, isn't it? I suppose, you know, because people are, i think you know are looking to cut down on alcohol consumption for various reasons and and it'd be a shame if people felt left out of a cheese board you know when everyone is if other people are enjoying it with alcohol then i suppose it's really nice to think that actually there's a whole host of
3: options that you could also be i think there is and actually you know i mean if you you kind of are open-minded and creative about it i mean even things like rhubarb for example um You can get rhubarb um, cordials, for example, which can be kind of quite deliciously tart or a kind of rhubarb flavoured kombucha or something like that. I mean, some of those kind of drinks which are less sweet than we think of traditionally soft drinks can be lovely with something like a goat cheese. You know, and because, you know, the slight acidity to a goat's cheese and the acidity to those kind of drinks and they they sort of bounce off each other really, really well. I think I that think you know the big gap really is this, you know, the red wine and oh. cheese thing, which, you know, I mean, even though white wine often goes better with, with cheese than red wine, you know, we still all yearn for a glass of red wine with, with, with cheese. <laughs> and, I mean, I think that's the kind of, you know, final nut to crack for, for the alcohol-free producers. There is a, a wine called Naughty spelt N-O-U-G-H-T-Y, which does a a pretty decent um, uh, red. And so they they are beginning to kind of creep in. Um, I think my view would be, you know, if I'm I'm taking a break from drinking, which from time to time, you know, as a wine writer, I think is not a bad idea, then I, I don't really want to be bothered with wine. So if it's a kind of temporary, I take a couple of nights off a week situation, I honestly wouldn't bother with, with with an alcohol-free wine. But if my period of abstention was longer, I mean if I was pregnant, for example, or kind of undergoing some kind of medical treatment, which meant I, you know, I I I needed to abstain for a while, or, you know, actually it was a, a permanent thing, I think I would start to try and sample different kinds of alcohol-free wines and see if there was one I could find that I liked. And then I would happily drink it with cheese, of course. Mm. The reason I want to talk about matching
2: cheese with wine and, and, and drinks and food is that I think it's very interesting to people, but I see people get quite anxious about it. If you talk to cheese mugs, they always say, I've got this bottle and I want a cheese that goes
3: with it. And, you know, there's quite mm. a lot of pressure. Have to approach it like a cook. If you enjoy cooking, if you're in the kitchen... You know, you're quite often sort of messing around with the recipe and you think, oh, actually, you know, I'm not sure it doesn't need a squeeze of lemon or, you know, it, it just needs, you know, jumping to make it a little bit more creamy. You're not intimidated by the idea that your recipe might need another ingredient, a squeeze of something, a pinch of something. Mm-hmm. And really your drink should be like that. It's just like, you know, you kind of think, oh, that's, you know, that's that's nice. I think actually it would be you know, be absolutely fantastic with, I mean, like going to goat's cheese, elderflower, elderflower cordial mm-hmm. with sparkling water. That can also be really, really nice with goat cheese. So you kind of think, well, what are the flavors that go with this cheese normally? Yeah. Maybe as a, there are lots of products now, sort of fruit paste and chutneys and things, well, you know. So what is going on in this cheese that that, that they're suggesting would be a good accompaniment? Okay is there something that i can I can put like with that in drinks terms and and regard it as fun, not regarded as uh, you know a, a terrible challenge and oh my goodness, if I get it wrong because it 's not it 's just playing around
2: yeah that's a very very good approach and what I mean these fermented drinks you t- you touched on kombucha earlier I mean that must be quite an interesting area as well
3: yes kombucha yeah. i think is is great and particularly with I mean, kombuchas do vary. I mean, some the more commercial ones kind of have <clears throat> quite a lot of fruit flavors. They're more like a kind of soda or something like that. And other kombuchas are sort of slightly funkier, perhaps more mm. like a nat- natural wine. I think the kind of slightly funkier ones, perhaps the homemade ones, are really good with those washed rind cheeses, which mm. are actually quite difficult to, to match anyway. I think kombucha yeah. is a really good match for them. Yeah, And the other one that that's, might be surprising is we should uh, think about tea. Actually, tea is not oh, a bad, a comfortable cheese. And puer, which yeah. is this kind of very, very sort of funky um, aged tea, actually goes quite well with the washed rind cheese. I mean, it's sort of like saying, um, you know, the, the whole thing, you know, like talking about, you know, goat's cheese and something. But if pe- someone hates goat's cheese, There's no point in telling them about that combination (laughs) because actually they don't like ghost cheese or oysters and Guinness. If you hate oysters, you hate Guinness. You're not going to enjoy that. So you have to kind of work within your kind of preferences. Yes. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I, yeah, I think that is
2: something about the tea and the, because again, there's so many flavours in teas, aren't there? I was just wondering about ginger. I was thinking of non-alcoholic drinks and ginger beer and Mm. do you think that does, I was thinking about blue cheeses, I think, and our blue cheese often seem to work very well with something slightly sweeter. I was wondering, are blue cheese quite easy to pair? Yeah, it's because the traditionally they're
3: paired with port, aren't they? Or kind of, um, yeah. you know, a, a sort of rich red. Have you got any stepping back big picture? What, you know, would you suggest to people if they've got friends coming
2: over and they've got a nice cheese board, is it fun to have? to try some different pairings, to have some,
3: some drinks, some different drinks to taste alongside with the cheese. If I was going to, I mean, going back to that apple idea, I mean, if I was having friends over and a big board and I mean, maybe some of them are actually drinking, but I would actually have both, both apple juice and alcohol-free cider and maybe Mm. cider for the drinkers. Yeah. (laughs) Because there are actually some really serious um, uh, amazing craft ciders around actually in beautiful bottles and so you could actually have all three drinks, you know, sort of on the table. And, you know, the, the people who were not drinking would not feel that, like they were losing out at all. Lovely.
2: It's very excellent advice. Thank you, Fiona. It was lovely to thank you for taking the time to talk to us. It's much appreciated.
3: Not at all, really. Always
2: good to chat to you, Jenny. Oh, take care. Thank you, Fiona. Bye. Okay. Bye bye. I'm a huge fan of Peter's Yard's crackers and they go beautifully with cheese. All Peter's Yard's crackers are made in small batches, using quality natural ingredients and their sourdough starter, slowly fermented for 16 hours for award-winning flavour and crunch.
0: Online, on smart speakers and on Listen Again, this is Food FM. Savour the crunch of Peter's Yard's sourdough crackers. Available at Waitrose, Tesco, Sainsbury's,
1: Morrison's, Ocado, Amazon and specialist food retailers.
2: This week on A Slice of Cheese we're looking at pairing cheese. I'm very happy to have with me today Emma Young. Emma is a cheese specialist and the author of a really lovely new cheese book called The Cheese Wheel. How to taste and how to choose and pair cheese like an expert which is very um, apt for our our conversation. Hi Emma. Hello how are you? I'm good thank you. Next. Emma, this book, congratulations, it's it's very readable, very accessible, and and yet draws on, you know, I know you've got a huge amount of experience of working in cheese retail and knowledge of cheese. So it must have been quite a, a task to write it, but it's a really lovely thing for someone to read it, I think. It reads very easily. And um, I am really intrigued by the way that you've, this cheese wheel idea, where you've got these broad families of cheeses, and then you've broken them down. Do you want to talk to me? through what you've done in the book
4: yeah so the cheese wheel itself is essentially a book which I've put together to act as a guide for the general public and cheese lovers around flavor so the whole idea of the book is to categorize cheese in a way that depends on organoleptics of cheese versus say geographical location so lots of books will be maybe this is the French section these are cheeses from Normandy Whereas there are lots of different cheeses from around the world which have similarities to each other based on their style and flavour profile. So that's where the sort of idea came from to put the wheel together. Um, So how the wheel actually works is obviously you can't see it. It's a podcast, but um, Jenny and I have both got a book here and there is a flavour wheel in the book itself. Yes, and that's just on the first page. And what I've done is I've put together a flavour wheel with the middle cogs being the chapter headings, um, and those are different styles of cheese.
2: So it's the back when it's sort of hard and blue. It's the things you know fresh I mean, it's quite these big broad families yes, isn't it
4: exactly so really really broad for the uh, for the chapter headings. so it starts off really broad and then we get down into the nitty gritty and flavor so the chapter headings are style so fresh bloomy rind washed rind semi hard hard and blue and then with those I have broken those down into common flavor profiles that you find within those styles of cheese which was that was maybe the hardest thing to do
2: I bet that was <laughs> And you do explain, you know, that you're obviously not covering... Since cheese has so many flavours, you've concentrated on the ones that are the most commonly found. Exactly. Is that right? Is that what you had to do? No, yeah. so it
4: was easier with fresh cheese, yeah. for instance. So fresh cheese, more simple flavour profiles, fewer descriptors. Hard cheese was a nightmare, having to put that into four flavour brackets. <laughs> then for each oh, of those, I've goodness. then broken the flavours down into a selection of cheeses. So... If you look at fresh, then milky, I've within milky as a common flavor profile, I've broken that down into cheeses from India, Italy, Poland, and Mexico. Very yeah. nice
2: <laughs>
4: I like I mean I like
2: that way of seeing the similarities you know around the world of cheese. Um, and I think it's really useful actually for people start thinking, which in fact leads me on because we're, you know this episode we're exploring this idea of what you match cheese with. And given that you've done a lot of hard work, Emma, in creeping these these cheeses and, and finding these different sort of strong flavour profiles, I thought it'd be really interesting to talk talk with you about what things go with cheese. And funny enough, you know, often I would say to somebody what goes with we would discuss what goes with blue cheese. But I was interested that you you know you have chose you have highlighted different aspects of the flavours found in blue cheese. So you've got piquant, malt, fruit, and herbaceous, which is really interesting. So Emma. In this book, you've done a lot of hard work um, into, you know, normally if I was talking to somebody about pairing, I might just talk very broadly about what what goes well with blue cheese. But because you've got these different um, sort of flavour groups within the blue, you've got piquant, malt, fruit and baceous, And I'm really intrigued to sort of dig into that a little bit better. So a little bit more. What about, um, so under malt, you have Stichelton, which is a cheese I'm very fond of. What would you suggest to me you know how would you go about pairing stitchleton with something
4: yeah it's a great question so with these common flavor profiles um generally a lot of them are flavors obviously that you'll find in the cheese but which you can also find in other foods so a nice mm-hmm. thing to do is to pick out flavors which you do taste in a cheese especially the more complex ones um and sort of uh, pair it accordingly so with Stitchelton, yes malt is definitely a a very sort of dominant flavor profile so you can go down a um we're talking about food here but a drinks element definitely you'd go down something sort of malty in in sort of beer but you could go down a biscuity cereal route with the the like the malty flavors with cereal which go nicely so i always pick up on um sort of yeah cereal notes and and digestive biscuits all of these sort of flavors malted milk all of these come into blue yes. cheeses so pairing those together is quite a nice fun thing to do and I think the um a really good example of this is something like manchego where manchego mm-hmm. has uh, quite frequently flavors of olive brine almonds nuts within the cheese
0: Ooh. and
4: when you pair that with olives and Marcona Albers, it yeah. works really nicely. So that, that's quite a fun way of doing it, but it's it's very in-depth. So I think that way is when you know, oh, I've got all of these flavours, I know exactly what I want to pinpoint. But a lot of what the book's trying to suggest is coming back slightly, um, having more of a broad flavour profile for a cheese and, and sort of pairing according to that instead of really identifying an exact pairing, if that makes sense.
2: Right, yep, yeah, and yeah, no, that's really interesting. It's just something that people have i i think people get very anxious about sort of matching cheese, but anyway, but it, for me, I also think it should be fun- you know it's so sort of fun, isn't it? and actually you know if you can be very broad brushed then i I find often with blue cheeses, having something sweet is a lovely counterbalance you know to the the saltiness of blues often are very salty um and then the, you know sweet you know sweet thing sweet. You think of things that we we do eat with uh, cheese, you know, we eat fruit um, or fruit paste, which have a sweetness to them. And that is just a really nice, that's just a a pairing that is very agreeable, isn't it? With with most, it's hardly going to be disagreeable, but it works particularly well with certain sorts of cheese, doesn't it? Absolutely.
4: I think there's two groups of accompaniments and, and things which I always think about pairing with cheese. So, sweet things, as you mentioned, sweet and salty just work. Incredibly well together, yeah. which is why you see honey, fruit, chocolate, all of these things. I actually really, really love the sweetness from root vegetables, which pairs really, really oh. with things like feta. Um, one of my favorite yeah. things to pair is, yeah, really, really sort of sweet carrots, beetroots with grace burn. Um And also, so this yeah. sweet, but also mm-hmm. acid. So if we think about cheese a lot of the time, it's fatty. We love fat, but mm-hmm. it is fatty, it's rich. It's full on, but acid is a really nice flavour combination because you do have acidity in cheese, which matches, but you also have a nice sort of cutting element from capers, chutneys, cornichon, crisps, yes. Some crisps. I love crisps. What, so would you choose, when you say thinking of acidity, would that be a sort of salt and vinegar Exactly, Sort I mean, of that... vinegar, yeah. <laughs> yeah. pickled onion, monster munch. There are other yeah. crisps available, but that's really nice with certain cheeses. That's clever, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah,
2: no, that's really um. Funny. I mean, it's interesting your point about the fatness of cheese. I mean, the texture of cheese that is so interesting, isn't it? Because it varies so much within cheeses, and it's something again that you you're writing about in the book. So, I presume that's a factor too. If you're going to serve a cheese with with an, with an accompaniment, then say you're thinking about the texture of that cheese. If you've got a very soft cheese, and presume you don't really want a very soft, you, know, you wouldn't. Put, I wouldn't serve a soft jelly with a camembert, for example, because there wouldn't be any contrast. I'd want some contrast. Exactly.
4: That's where this layering comes into play with with cheese, where you you have definitely mouthfeel in wine and in other uh, sort of alcohol and and beverages. But with cheese, it's such a big difference between a triple cream, cream enriched cheese and a Parmigiano-Reggiano. So yeah, you don't, exactly as you said, you don't want to have like a weird flabby combination in your mouth. It's quite nice to have a contrast of like something crunchy, with something really Mm -hmm. fatty. Texture is a big part of cheese, and what I find really interesting is some cheeses are really led by texture over flavour, and Mm -hmm. there are some cheeses which are very good, very approachable and and very popular, which don't have an enormous amount of complexity, but we love them because of that sort of rich, fatty mouthfeel. So you can pair to that instead of pairing to a flavour. So in the same way, it's having yeah. a crunchy, crunchy cracker, some like crudités kind of things. Having a bit of textural contrast is a really nice thing to do with cheese.
2: Yes, and also, you know, in a way we've been talking about cheese and pairing on a cheese ball. But of course, if you, you know, if we sort of widen it out in terms of food pairing and think about, you know, dishes that include cheese, including burrata, because that's become very, the Italian cheese, um, which is very popular in Britain and much more widely available than it used to be. I see that paired with tomatoes. I mean, that's interesting because you've got the firmness, you know, and the acidity of the tomato against this very mild, creamy cheese. You? That's a rather nice pairing. It is, um,
4: yeah. I, I really like yeah. that too. And it, it's definitely in that acid-fat complementary group. Um, tomatoes, for certain, with burrata and mozzarella. I think um, another thing that I find really interesting in cheese dishes so if you think of really popular cheese dishes so like in in cooking um so like mac and cheese things like steak with Mm -hmm. a blue cheese sauce it kind of goes against most of the things we're saying to do with contrasting so like a a steak with a blue cheese sauce is rich on rich on rich so in (laughs) that respect you're actually pairing so i've been thinking about this quite a lot why do we do that we're pairing the definitely pairing the umami there so we're pairing the meaty umami within the steak alongside a blue but there's also the sort of spicy having it with steak just makes me laugh but also even cheese and charcuterie boards so that's a lot of similar on on a plate Mm. if you think about it it's definitely put together sort of traditionally because of what grows together goes together preserving the cheese and the meats etc but yeah when you have a cheese and charcuterie board you have to have Something else there, like a a sweet or an acid, so a a cornichon or a fig chutney to add something else, otherwise, you've just got salt and And fat (laughs) fat and gout. Like, you've got all all of these things. Is
2: it something you get asked about a lot today? I've asked you to sort of concentrate on food rather than than alcohol for the purposes of this podcast, but. It must be something, it is something, is it, that comes up a lot?
4: Yeah. um, And I think, as you said earlier, a lot of people get really hung up on it. So, with pairing, it is supposed to be fun, it is supposed to be enjoyable. And my advice is usually to taste things that you do like together. And if they're not the best match in the world, who cares as long as you like them? (laughs) But there's also a a lot of people ask me what pairs well with camembert. And Mm -hmm. unlike wine or, say, a vintage, a 2020 vintage Pinot Noir from Emma's Vineyard, all of those bottles will be the same, bearing in mind that they might have slight storage condition differences, but they will be the same. With cheese, you have more variables. So it's so mm. hard to pinpoint a pairing because you have the variables of cheese maker, Affineur, yeah. time of year that it's made, age profile of the yeah. cheese. How Has it been in your microwave yeah. by accident? There's so many of these different <laughs> variables that will change the flavor and texture. So I hardly ever get hung up on exact, exact pairings because it's right. destined for failure. Like I've, I think I've had yeah. three amazing, life-changing pairings in my whole life where they were at the top of their game, and they worked so well together. Yeah, you
2: have to tell me what those are, because <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I, I really do want to know. Um, yeah. want to know that. Talk me through those. <laughs>
4: <laughs> so one of them was a uh, sparkling Q rosé from Bonny Estate, and that was with a Vacherin Mondor, which in theory, with the nice sort of bubbles cutting, the fatty cheese should work. But for some reason, the wine really picked out the fruit and the stone fruit element in the cheese. And oh, it also yeah. just worked so well texturally with the, the bubbles and the fat. Mm. So that was pretty game changing. I had a cheese called 1924, which is a blue cheese, a blend of sheep and cow's milk. So a Rock Four recipe, but predating how Rock Four used to be made pre AOC regulations. And that was mm-hmm. with. A Canadian ice wine, um, oh, okay. yes. which is quite a typical, obvious pairing. But it was just, no. it just worked really well. And the third has escaped yeah. me right now, so that will have to be saved for another conversation.
2: Yeah, well, I'll, I'll pin yeah. you down so I see. You. <laughs> Emma, what was that? I want to know. So yeah, so to go back to your book, Emma, you're sharing your knowledge in a very friendly, clear way. What was that like for you? Was that something you enjoy? I mean, you do quite a lot of teaching, I think. So you're, you're used to sharing knowledge, aren't you? And getting people to, to sort of, perhaps to sort of relax a bit, but also to to understand. Um, so did, how did you find the process of writing a book?
4: Um, yeah, so exactly as you said, I do quite a lot of teaching, but my whole purpose in life, in cheesy life, is to make it digestible for people. So there's a lot of fact-throwing you can give to people and... and it depends on your audience as to how people will receive the knowledge and I like to both digest it for myself and also for the audience so the way I've written Mm. the book is definitely in my voice but trying to make it relatable to other people's experiences but also making sure that the terminology is not too niche I haven't gone too Mm -hmm. in depth with the scientific side. I haven't talked about well maybe a little bit about licking barnyard animals, but not licking a stone in the Jura on the 26th of January. So I've tried to keep it quite um quite broad. But (laughs) writing the book itself was yeah, it was a it was a lovely process. And because I've um I've written it in my voice and tried to digest things for people, it was it was really, really pleasant, really um, enjoyable to write. To um also think about the audience who will be reading it on the other end and how they how I would want to learn about a subject which I'm not so familiar with yes that's a
2: good good I mean that's a very good thing to do. <laughs> I always think that when i'm you know i don't know perhaps I'm chairing a meeting or something or or a or a panel, and I always just try and remember you know you have I have experts, but I'm always thinking about the audience, the audience won't know you know that's my job is to. To make sure that the that the experts, um, you know, that will explain clearly to the, to the audience. That's really important, I yeah. think. So that was, so what was so what were the bits that were hard? Was it hard narrowing down, making this choice of cheeses because you know there were hundreds of cheeses in the world and you had to pick these, you know, you had to really narrow it down, didn't you, to choose these, you know, a few examples of these these types.
4: Was that quite a process? Yeah, there were two really difficult aspects of writing the book. That being one. Also having so many favourites and not being able to write just the book of my yeah, that was quite tricky. And yeah, to make sure there was a good variety of cheeses from around the world, plus different varieties which are accessible in both cheese shops in different places, cheeses which aren't so niche that you have to go and find a tiny cheese shop in the middle of Italy to find them. So that was mm. quite a, a really fun aspect of writing the book, but also quite challenging to make sure that the range covered everything um in terms of flavor variety of cheese from around the world and accessibility but that was fun and also the other really hard part was to write so few words on each cheese (laughs) so Mm. writing one page about cheddar is very difficult yeah Yeah. yes yeah
2: yeah, I sympathise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, it's such a huge, a huge cheese, isn't it? And just to go back, to, to sort of end really in a way, going back to the pairing idea. So in your own personal life, are there, do you have sort of pet combinations? Are there things that you enjoy, you know, eating eating together with, you know, have you, have you got a pairing that you would like to, or a few pairings you want to share with us, Emma, that you'd suggest?
4: Yeah, so I'm quite a creature of habit, but I do... So I've mentioned crisps. I really do love cheese and crisps. I think it's a really fun one to explore as well. Very unpretentious. But the the sort of, we've talked about texture a lot. We're talking about the acidity. That with cheese is actually really fun. So pickled onion crisps with feta style is really great. I do really like the um, sort of salty feta kind of thing with root vegetables. But you can't beat a cornichon, really, can you, with everything? So on are my go to's I love acid but really lovely crunchy cornichon with alpine style cheeses a bit of meat Mm. along the side just just really nice and simple that's that's sort of the way I like to go I don't have on my boards I don't generally have loads of uh, chutneys and jams I love them but I generally Mm -hmm. just eat them with bread (laughs) Um, (laughs) I really like with things like yeah acid um, or incorporating it into into dishes
2: Lovely. How do and that's, because you you must travel for your work, I'm guessing, Emma. And have you been given sort of surprising combinations or you know things like like wow, that's are you always on the lookout or you know does that happen? Do they come along and you think that's really interesting? Both.
4: I am always looking out for strange combinations and new cheeses, but also when they come about, that's also exciting. So I think in Norway, trying cheese in coffee was quite a weird one. So that's quite okay. a normal thing out there. They're, the cheese is actually called kaffeost, so coffee cheese. And that's like a really simple, milky, almost like a a firm mozzarella style that they put in coffee. And apparently they do that in, I think it's somewhere in South America as well. But it was in Norway when I tried that. And it was, strangely, it worked. um, But also... When you have these kind of combinations, a lot of it is, am I just being won over because I'm in this country?
2: That lovely liqueur that is wonderful when you're by the sea abroad, but then it's not exciting when you're back at home. living. Would it be horrendous
4: at home? And this isn't really a pairing, but it's just reminded me of something quite funny. So when I went to Provence on a, that was a work trip a long, I don't know, six, seven, eight years ago. One of the things that they make in certain places, like in the Loire and Provence, is fromage four. So a strong cheese where they put all the odds and ends into a ceramic jar of sorts and leave it Mm -hmm. to its own devices. And it turns into like a mustard looking strange concoction and it tastes like anesthetic so that was one of those moments of okay this is a very very strange concept in in this region but also I really appreciate a way of not wasting food but my goodness that was a tricky one that was um, that does
2: sound quite challenging. It was. Yeah. Yeah. lovely. Well, congratulations again on the cheese wheel, Emma. I think it's a very, you know, warmly recommended because I think it's it's got real clarity and an energy about it, um, which I think you can hear from my conversation with Emma. So, Emma, thank you for taking the time to talk to us. It was lovely. Thank
4: you so much.
2: With their delightfully crunchy texture, Peter's Yard Crackers go very well with cheese. The crackers come in a lovely range of flavours, so you can have fun experimenting with matching onto different cheeses. The Rosemary and Sea Salt Sourdough Crackers have a delicious aromatic flavour from the herb. They work very well with the light, bright lemoniness of a fresh goat's cheese. For further suggestions, have a look at the cheese pairing wheel on the Peter's Yard website.
0: Online, on smart speakers and on Listen Again. this is Food FM. Savour the crunch of Peter's Yard Sourdough
1: Crackers. Available at Waitrose, Tesco. Sainsbury's, Morrison's, Ocado, Amazon and specialist food retailers.
2: This week on a Slice of Cheese, we're looking at what goes with cheese. I'm very happy to have with me today Mark Millen, who is a wine, food and travel writer, author of a number of wine and food books and hosts a wonderful podcast called Italian Wine Podcast, which if you're interested in Italian wine is well worth listening to. And his latest book, Mark, is is going to come out I think in spring 2024, Italy in a wine glass. Hello, Mark.
1: Hi, Jenny. So nice to see you. So nice to be with you again. It's been a very long time.
2: It has. It's great to see you, Mark. Yeah, I love Italy. I'm lucky enough to live there. And I was thinking about that sort of pairing, that classic pairing that we, we, when, we when we think of cheese and what goes with it, we do think wine. And I thought, I'm going to ask you that. Why do we think that wine goes well with cheese? And obviously, we're going to dig into that bit forward, but that broad brushstroke start there
1: well it's true jenny people do always think you know we'll have some wine we'll have some cheese and it can be really a lovely congenial way to get together with friends and have a selection of cheeses sample a few wines and above all talk and and have a good time so it seems a convivial activity i guess both wine and cheese are related in some way, you know, we're talking about fermentation, we're talking about conserving two products, you know, fresh Mm. liquid milk into something solid through fermentation and fresh grapes into something that can be contained within a bottle, a bottle of wine. So we're bringing together these two conserved elements and they're able to be transported. We can enjoy wine and cheese on a picnic, we can enjoy it in front of a with friends or outdoors so it just seems a really convivial way to combine two wonderful products
3: they
2: are wonderful products as you said fervently i was just visiting my family in italy and it was interesting we went out to a restaurant up in the tuscan hills and ordered the house red which actually when you drank it on its own, my was like, oh, you know, it was a very basic and it was sort of quite, you know, it had a sort of vinegary aspect to it. But funnily, but once the food arrived and you drank, it was really good because it cut through the richness of the food. It was really interesting. So it worked really beautifully. And you know, it wasn't a wine to be drunk on its own. I, mean, I don't think it was particularly great wine, but it was just interesting to me that actually that matching thing works really well. And I was interested in, you know, in Italy... Which is a country I know you know, you you know you love deeply, Mark, and know so much about. Tell me your thoughts on you know how how would you, do you think Italian wines and cheese are a good a good pairing?
1: Well, first of all, I think what you just described with that that wine, that perhaps rather rough um, house wine that you sampled up in the Tuscan hills perhaps on its own, didn't seem marvelous, but it really was the perfect wine with food. And I think Italian wine has so many elements going for it that do need food, that do need foods like cheese. For example, high acidity can sometimes be rather aggressive when you just drink it on its own. But acidity is really important, especially when we're pairing wines with richer foods, with pastas, with foods with olive oil. Mm -hmm. And Indeed, with with certain cheeses. But that said, wine and cheese, not all wines go with all cheeses. And that's important to distinguish. I think we tend to think, oh, cheese, let's have some red wine. And that seems to be the more automatic go-to selection. But that's not always the case. So many different uh, types of cheese, just as there are different styles and types of wine. And Italy, I think people don't, often appreciate has a a range of cheeses every bit is rich and is delicious and varied and in terms of production in terms of types of milk in terms of aging Mm -hmm. as certainly France and perhaps even able to rival the UK with all our wonderful um, wealth of local cheeses that we now can enjoy which is as you as you have highlighted in in your shows a recent but wonderful development but italy has cheese traditions going back centuries and millennia for example in in the odyssey homer's odyssey uh, there's a description of polyphemus the cyclops milking his ewes and making a simple cheese that he drains through withy baskets and it's actually Polyphemus was on Mount Etna, and it's actually an ancient method of making ricotta that's hmm. virtually unchanged uh, today. So we're going back thousands of years.
2: Yes, and what, and that, that your point that you made about I think there is, that's a rather lazy default of cheese, red wine. So if we're thinking about white wine, are there? I mean, they actually. I was started thinking about uh, sparkly wines and Italian prosecco. Do you think is there a sort of good marriage to be had by matching prosecco up with cheese?
1: Oh, absolutely. I just um, returned from the Valdovianane Cornigliano wine hills just last week. And we did sample some cheeses, some wonderful, wonderful Prosecco Superiore uh, wines, but I think the simple Prosecco as well with that apple, green apple and pear flavors. I think bubbles on a whole, Bollicine, uh, sparkling wines, go very well with fresher styles of cheese, even with creamier styles of cheese. Um, and so prosecco, I would certainly say, will pair with a lot of fresher styles of cheese.
4: Oh,
2: interesting! And you know, and the cheese. But I, I eat when I get back to Tuscany. I, you know, one of the cheeses I love to have is um, Tuscan pecorino. Pecorino is Italian for sheep, and so pecorino is sheep's milk cheese. And you do find it around Italy with some regional variations um, and in different ages. I'm very fond of the sort of fresh young pecorino. Would that be a good pairing with prosecco?
1: Actually, I was thinking about um, Pecorino because I knew that you would mention it, having just come back from Tuscany <laughs> yourself.
3: Inevitable.
1: <laughs> uh, inevitable, but it's such a wonderful cheese. But as you say, it comes in so many styles. I'm thinking of the Marzolino Pecorino, the very first style that you've mentioned, oval-shaped, coagulated, I think, still, Jenny, um, with a wild artichoke. Sure, oh, interesting. Um, yeah. And uh, that's that's a, a fresh, a creamy style. Maybe that would go with Prosecco. I think I would want to have a young, either a young Chianti or possibly with its sort of nuttiness and flavors, perhaps a Vernaccia di San Gimignano would
2: uh-huh. go
1: well without a white.
2: Mm, lovely. I mean, honestly, I suppose if we're thinking of Italian cheese and wine, then, you know, we come to Parmigiano, Reggiano, You know, Italy's... I, you know, I was I can say most famous cheese, and I was wondering whether maybe mozzarella is better known now because of the, the dominance of pizza in the world. But certainly a veritable and his wonderful famous Italian cheese, Parmigiano. What, what, how, if, you know, if I had bought some, a lovely piece of Parmigiano to eat, which I think you know, again in the UK we tend to just grate it on food, but in Italy it's enjoyed as it's enjoyed as a table cheese. Well, you know, what would you be reaching for, Mark, if I came round gave you some lovely Parmesan? What wine would you go for?
1: Well, I actually, I think I think you're right to point out that we don't eat Parmesan enough as a cheese in its own right. But if you're in Emilia-Romagna, it will often be offered with wine with as an aperitivo. It can be the young Parmigiano-Reggiano, so 12 months, I think, is the minimum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the minimum, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and when you have the young Parmigiano-Reggiano, it's quite creamy still when you put the little triangular parmigiano knife through it it sort of slides into it it doesn't break into mm. into nuggets in quite the same way so it's a creamier cheese and i think because you can still almost taste the fat in the milk that goes beautifully with lambrusco
0: lambrusco
1: mm. wine that people have, have sort of thought not taken seriously but real lambrusco in Emilia romagna is a wonderful wine produced in a range of styles from different Lambrusco grapes, from Grasaparoso di Castelvetro, which is a very dark, deep um, Lambrusco style of wine, to Lambrusco di Sorbara, which is almost like a rosé. Mm. But the underlying characteristic is a stinging acidity that keeps mm. it fresh, that makes it also go well with the rich foods of Emilia. And this young style of Parmigiano Reggiano, I think, goes perfectly with a with a foaming glass of Lambrusco. But if the if the cheese was aged and and Parmigiano ages beautifully to, say a thirty six month old mm. cheese or even older, you get that crystallization in the cheese, that crunchy um um. Complexity as well. I think then you could really begin to look at a more serious and full-bodied red. Perhaps if we're to stay regionally, which is usually the best thing to do if you're in Italy, to mm-hmm. stick with the wines from the area that the yeah. cheese comes from. I would have a Sangiovese di Romagna, perhaps aged in wood, and that would go well.
2: Ah, oh, that's so interesting that you you mentioned that, Mark. Because I was going to ask you because about regionality um in terms of cheese and wine pairing if i was gonna ask that would make sense actually because italy if if people haven't ever traveled in it it's actually quite remarkable how the food how it changes so much from regions you know that are side by side but you can go on a train journey for an hour and you'll be eating different there will be different dishes different foods different ingredients come to the fore it's very very it's one of the wonderful things if you love food about traveling around italy And and people are very invested in their local foods and they know you know they're proud of them they know them and I was wondering Mark whether maybe you had done something iconoclastic and thought ah but this wine from Sicily goes really well with a you know a cheese that's made from the north you know from Turin or Piedmont I was wondering if you had come across that yourself or do you think that really there is a merit to being regional in approaching Italian cheese and wine
1: I think there is a really strong merit to being regional but that means that that doesn't mean that you need to stick to that by any means at all. For example, um, an aged Pecorino from Sardinia goes very well with the Cana wines, the wonderful, um, rich red wines from Sardinia, but would be equally beautifully paired with an Argentinian Malbec, for example, mm. or with um, wines from big, big red wines from, from, uh, from Tuscany, or indeed from Basilicata and Alianico del Voltore. There is always the argument to stay regional. For example, one of the great mountain cheeses of Italy is Montazio from Friuli, up in the high mountains, the Julian Alps, um, separating Austria, that sort of borderland, Austria, Slovenia, Italy, that was so fought over during the wars. Mo- Montasio is one of the great cheeses of Italy, I think, but not so well known because it does. we don't see it because it's... There's not enough of it to go around. Mm. But that pairs so perfectly when it's young with perhaps a Friulano white or as it ages with a more robust local brand, the Pignolo. But equally, equally good with wines of that type from elsewhere in Italy as well as from other countries. But I do tend to stick with regionality
2: Interesting. I mean, you would know, you know, you, all the, you know, your many years, the amount of time that you've spent in Italy and traveling around it, Mark, and absolutely experiencing the power of that regional, you know, that capacity for things to go well together, which is very impressive, isn't it?
1: And um, very interesting. Jenny. Actually, I'm thinking of another example that perhaps ah, um, that does that does contrast north south quite well. Burrata, difficult cheese to pair. Mm. burrata this creamy cow's milk mozzarella filled with with even more cream as if that wasn't (laughs) enough Um, and it's actually something that we're seeing more in london in the uk as well you know it's a wonderful creamy cheese but it but it is a a difficult cheese to pair and i think it's an example of where sparkling wines work so well with with uh, um with rich, um, creamy, soft cheeses. And I would go to the north for that. I'd go to Corta, one of the uh, great areas of uh, classic method, bottle-fermented sparkling wines from Chardonnay uh, and Pinot Nero. Really, really top-class sparkling wines, and I think that might work with Burrata. But if you were going to stay regional, then I would day on the Salento Peninsula heel of the Italian boot and have a rosato with that so you can take your pick.
2: Wonderful rich pickings indeed aren't they so interesting I mean you know when in your when you travel around Italy Mark have you been and I'm you know and we we both know how hospitable Italians are and and what there's so much pleasure in enjoying the conviviality you mentioned earlier is very uh, central to Italian life Have, have there been I just wondered if you would come across interesting or intriguing wine or cheese pairings. You thought, wow, what a good, well, that was, you know, I thought, oh, that's delicious or oh, that was really striking or oh, really good. Have you come across those?
1: Um, I mean, I think there's so many pairings that work really, really well. But, if, for example, an unusual one that um, I think is an unusual cheese is formaggio di fossa. Is that a cheese you've ah. come across?
2: Yeah, I've heard of it, but I've never tried it. So, can you tell us what it is, then, Mark. Yeah. Well, it,
1: it's a it's a pecorino, uh, and the pec- and the fossa is a pit,
4: mm-hmm.
1: and the pecorino um, when it's young will be uh, buried in a deep pit and packed very very tightly, and then the pit is sealed, and a second anaerobic anaerob- fermentation takes place. Mm-hmm. And the result is a really funky, strong, pungent, <laughs> aromatic, stinky cheese. Quite a yeah. stinky cheese. Um, and so it's a really funky cheese. And I think these funky cheeses can go, need funky wines to go with them. Mm. And there are a lot of really interesting styles of wine being made in Italy today. The so-called natural wines—a term that doesn't mean anything precise. <laughs> but which uh, indicates wines that are made with low intervention. But in particular, I, th- I love the, the natural wines that are the so-called orange wines, uh-huh. which are skin contact whites, when which will sometimes have a range of funky aromas and flavors and complexity that is quite different from conventional wines. So just as Formaggio di Fossa is not like a conventional pecorino, so are some of these orange wines not like conventional wines and and i think the two the strong flavors the the unusual combinations can work very very well
2: yes i mean natural wines you know you see them on restaurants and more and more and and they often have a don't know like a cleanness a sort of slightly bracing quality yeah and that might be the ones that i've i've tried and obviously very hugely looking at the italian wine world mark with all your contacts is is the natural wine movement Is it being explored with with, in Italy by winemakers?
1: Widely, widely it Mm. is actually, Um, and as you say, there are different levels of naturalness in wines. Uh, You know, generally, it's a it's an approach that uh, wants to have low sulfites, no chemicals in the vineyard, no pesticides, no herbicides, using natural manure for fertilizer, Um, and then in in the wine itself using indigenous native yeasts the mm-hmm. natural yeasts that are on the bloom of the grapes yeah. for fermentation but within that there's such a variety from from uh, very precise clean focused wines maybe even fermented in amphora uh, whites mm-hmm. as well as reds to wines with the skin contact or an interesting style are the so-called pet nat wines the natural secondary fermentation in the bottle so they'll still have a yeast sediment come out a little bit cloudy can be white rosé or rosé and uh, really delightful pure uh, fun style of wine and that's that's a wine I think some of the pet nuts would be nice to have with a platter of young cheeses simple breads and good friends all around the table
2: good friends is always the key isn't it I mean and Mark you know this is um we're making this podcast It's going to go out in the run-up to Christmas and I was thinking and Christmas often is a time of yeah I think when people do think especially about sort of wanting to you know bring in treats and some very nice wines to try and some nice cheeses and but other, And I wondered are there other are pairings that you yourself have in your own family home for this at this you know for Christmas as a treat cheese and wine combinations or are there things that you would recommend to us that you think would be, you know, wonderful? You've actually made me, you know, you totally want to, you know, ain't drink more wine, <laughs> better wine, and and eat more Italian cheese. So, what, what are your your
1: thoughts, Mark? Well, well, Jenny, actually, you know, I live in Devon, and we have the most wonderful cheeses, and in my town, we have the most wonderful cheese uh, shop, country cheeses, mm. and so i i our our Christmas cheese board is inevitably with our favourite. Cheeses from uh, local dairies very near us and that's the beauty of cheese wherever you are but the, particularly in the uk now we have such a wealth of wonderful mm-hmm. cheeses It is is varied in style as uh, i've just been discussing it from all of italy yeah so you know i i, I love um the mature Quicks traditional, which is just produced down the road, about five miles down the road from you by Mary Quick, who I know you, you amazing, know well. She's amazing,
2: Mary. Yeah, she's she such is. a wonderful woman. Like a life force, isn't she? Absolutely incredible. Um, Absolutely.
1: Yeah. And I will be um, pairing that always with probably my favorite pairing there would be with Barbera d'Alba, a cheese, again, that's high in acidity. because goes really, really well with uh, hard cheeses. Huh. Um, but I will also be wanting to have uh, the cheese that I think is made particularly for Gary and Elise—the little stinky, a rind-washed um, cheese mm. that smells much more pungent than than it actually tastes, and it's a, a particular favorite. And it's a cheese that I like to pair with perhaps a a full white wine, perhaps from the Timorasso grape from from uh, Piedmont. So. Uh, th- those would be two definitely on my list. But then, of course, we have the wonderful Jersey milk sharpen cheeses. Again, made just down the road by uh, by Greg Greg Parsons, mm-hmm. and I love those cheeses. I think Brie style or the Camembert, the rich, creamy styles, are difficult to pair. And I will then go for why not? I'll stay with some of our wonderful Devon sparkling wines, perhaps from the Sandridge Barton. State, which is the home of Sharpen Wines, so mm. couldn't go better sharp, what than, is it? Yes. With, with Greg's <laughs> cheeses. Yeah. Um, but also we have uh, uh, some wonderful sparkling, as well as still wines um, from just around my corner. And I think actually that's that's so wonderful. We've always been envious, Jenny, haven't we, of... of, of, of people in in Italy or in France who can have their local wines on the doorstep and their local cheeses on the doorstep and now we can have that um, where we live in the UK as well increasingly and so I think that adds a lot of pleasure in times like Christmas I think you want to be eating cheeses wines drinking wines made by friends that makes it even better
2: I bet it does well Mark that was fascinating and you know as I said you know Mark's books and his podcast are are a mine of information so that was a real pleasure thank you mark for taking the time to talk to us much appreciated
1: thank you jenny i've really enjoyed enjoyed our talk so i hope to meet again soon with a glass of wine and perhaps a platter
0: of cheese
2: i think it's a must all right mark thank you take care then thank you
0: You YouTube, online on smart speakers and on listen again this is food fm
2: this week on A Slice of Cheese, we're looking at what goes with cheese. And someone who's very well advised to talk to me about this is Svetlana Svetlana Svetlana's many things, cheesemonger, educator. She has a cheese shop in real life called The Cheese Lady, which was her, a nickname for her in Haddington, and also online. And she's the author of a book called The Cheese Connoisseur's Handbook. And the subtitle is How to Deepen Your Understanding and Enjoyment of Fine Cheese Year Round which is a great subject. Hello, Svetlana.
5: Hi, Jenny. Hi, it's lovely to have
2: you on the podcast. Thank you. Svetlana, I was interested in, you know, this issue of, of how to match cheese, how to pair cheese, is something that people, I think, always want guidance and advice about. Is that, what, what is, I'm, I'm guessing it's something that you are asked about quite a lot. What? what how, do you, how do you start unpicking it for people?
5: It's such a, a broad subject and it's a great one to chat about. I love this uh, particular conversation around uh, marrying, pairing cheeses and wines. It's definitely one of my passions. And the way that I like to proceed and start with uh, people who come to my shop and ask for recommendations is uh, first I like to choose a great bottle of wine and then I pair the cheeses to that wine. But when it comes to using terms like pairing or matching, I do find that people like to use them interchangeably whereas I often like to clarify that there is a little bit of a distinction between the two terms so when we think about uh, matching Uh cheeses and wines what we are thinking about is similarities in them so if we have A wine that is quite fruity we may want to pair it to a fruity cheese so finding those qualities that are the same and we want to match them in both that's uh, for me matching cheeses and wines Mm -hmm. and when we think about pairing cheeses and wines it's a little bit different because what we're trying to do is to find complementing things about them So, for instance, if a cheese is salty and your wine is sweet, they will complement each other out uh, because they will complement each other and balance each other out. They work together very nicely. So there's a slight distinction there, and it's just worth bearing that in mind.
2: That's very, yes, that's nicely made. That is a really interesting point because I think people do use this, including me, probably use those terms interchangeably. And it's interesting to think a little bit more about what it means because it strikes me that when I try and choose um, you know pear cheeses or or match them it's, it always seems to me, the fact with all foods that you can sort of go you can either find something that's, that's very close to it which is exactly what you're saying isn't it or you can find something that is different but sort of gives you a different delight because you get you almost get the contrast the pleasure is almost of contrast in a way which is very different from something that just glides along with it where you know you have your your cheese and you have your wine and, and it doesn't it, neither of them overpowers the other and that's you know very harmonious but you can also have that a frisson from two two different things, can't you? They can interact together.
5: That's exactly it. And I love how you touched on this harmony idea. And that's exactly what we are trying to achieve when we are pairing or matching cheeses and wines. The main goal of our exercise um, in that case is to find harmony between them and whether they are complementing or matching flavours, aromas and such like. uh, We are trying to find harmony. And that's our main goal. And the harmony obviously can be quite different for different people. And that's what I also like to point out quite often is to say that uh, taste is very individual. It's very subjective. So uh, very different people will perceive flavors Mm -hmm. and aromas differently. So the biggest thing that I like people to take away from our, our conversation perhaps is that flavor taste is very subjective so whatever works for me whatever works for you may not work for another person so what i encourage everybody to do is to discover what works for them so therefore there might be a lot of experimentation involved Mm -hmm. and i do always encourage that so if people at home um, would like to take that task on and to just uh, embrace all of the complexity of flavor and discover what works for them that will be the best thing but what they're Looking for is uh, the harmony on their palate, and to go back
2: to this idea of, of matching cheese and wine, you know, which is a very sort of much loved combination. What are some of the guidelines, or you know, how would you, which is you know, and think how many, you know, so many wines, so many cheeses. How do you start, you know, what's your starting point with that?
5: So the first thing I would think about is their primary flavors, and the primary flavors are sweet, acidic bitter, umami, and salty. So those five primary, pla- uh, primary flavors will be present in cheese and wine, and they can influence each other in different ways. So for instance, if your cheese is quite sweet, it will bring out more bitter and acidic qualities in the wine. And that's not something that we would be looking for. Mm. So it's uh, worth bearing those things in mind. And I do talk about these things in my book if anybody would like to get any more kind of information on that. But on the bright side, what we will find with a lot of cheeses, not a lot of them are just uh, sweet most of the cheeses will have quite a good amount of Mm -hmm. salt to them, perceptible amount of salt to them. So that balances it out. So generally speaking, cheeses are not a problem to pair with wines. But the first thing that I would start with is thinking about the primary flavors in both cheese and the wine and trying to find a harmonious combination there. The second thing I would be thinking about is their secondary flavors. And the secondary flavors are a little bit more subjective again. It's those flavors that we find, for instance, in cheeses when we taste and we say, oh, they taste walnut or maybe there's a little bit um, of mm-hmm. honey there, or it's very fruity and pineapple things like that. Those are a little bit subjective. They're secondary flavors. They happen with cheese maturation, so those things when we discover them on our palate it's worth to bear in mind and think how they're going to appear to our wine does the wine have any of those qualities any of those flavors and will they marry nicely for instance if your wine has quite a lot of honey and apricots perhaps you will not want to marry it with a mushroomy cheese just kind of as an idea there I just wondered if, if you could give us an example
2: in terms of because I think it's quite abstract for people is they like yeah, following what you said is you know that that idea what give me an example of a cheese and wine pairing that you think works really well that you would recommend to people and tell me why you think that
5: well very classic example of a great pairing that everybody i think uh, should try is roquefort and sauterne roquefort is a quite a salty and rich cheese So that uh, saltiness marries very nicely with the Sauterne wine which has a good amount of sugar and sweetness to it. So first of all, on the basis of their primary flavors, they match up nicely because they balance each other out. One becomes less salty, the other one becomes less sweet and they complement very well and balance each other. And in terms of secondary flavors, they also have quite a lot going on because of the nuttiness of the Roquefort cheese. It doesn't have those earthy qualities like stilton, but it has more nutty sweetness to it of the sheep's milk. And that works really well with the honeyed and kind of apricot qualities of the sauternes. So that's why that pairing is so fantastic mm. and definitely worth trying.
2: Yeah, that's you're right. It is a wonderful pairing. So interesting Same thing hearing you analyse it in that way. I mean, I, I think people, um, you know, when you say wine and cheese people, I I think, still tend to think it must be red wine and cheese. What do you think about that?
5: Personally, I think that notion has kind of outlived itself. It's uh, been and gone, and I think uh, we can embrace all the variety of drinks and cheeses out there there are so many different varieties of cheese and different varieties of wine that uh, we will find a better flavor combination a better match and a better pairing when we start exploring beyond red wine for instance one of my favorite uh, pairings of all time is a uh, triple cream cheeses like Delis de Cremier paired with champagnes and other sparkling drinks because of the Fattiness and kind of richness ah. of the least uh, de Cremier, for instance, and its buttered uh, quality. It works so well with sparkling drinks with a little bit of acidity and a little bit of effervescence. It kind of lifts that texture up and gives it such a fantastic experience. So I think we definitely should look, should look beyond red wine. <laughs>
2: yes, and I think you, it's a very good point you make about texture because obviously, you know, cheeses contain such a, you know, say mini textures and that is very relevant, isn't it? When you're trying, you're right. You know the feel of the mouth, and to have, and that sounds like a lovely combination—a very sort of smooth, rich, voluptuous cheese in a way. And then there's that sort of the, the bright, cleanness of of a sparkling wine. It sounds like a lovely, lovely combination. Let's go to blues. What are there certain? Do you, are there certain advice you'd give on how to pair them, or, or is that too? Gen, am I being too simplistic there? You couldn't really generalise in that way. Would you have to go down specifics?
5: Uh, If we think about blues in particular, I think we can make it a little bit more intricate when it comes to pairings. And I personally like to distinguish between two broader types of blues. For instance, for me, there are earthier blues and non-earthy blues. So what I mean by earthy blues is the ones that have a rind mm. on them, like Stilton, like Stichelton, um, Shropshire Blue. So those blues will have that earthy quality to them because they have been matured in a cellar, but they also have a rind and that's what gives them the earthiness. And those types of blues, I personally like to pair with red mm. grape-based dessert wines like Port, like Banyu, and um, wines like that. Uh, but when it comes to blue cheeses that have been matured mm. in a foil, like Roquefort, Blood de cos, they are a little bit more kind of cream-forward. They don't have that earthy quality about them. And those ones particularly, I'd like to pair with white grape-based uh, dessert wines. Wonderful. <laughs> this
2: sounds like, I mean, your, your work, you know, and your years you spent working in the world of cheese, Svetlana, is it something that you enjoy doing? You know, I mean, I suppose in a way, you, you must encounter new cheeses because people are making new cheeses all the time. Do you spend your time thinking, oh, this is really interesting. This might go really well with, you know, you, you know, could could this pair? Could this ginger biscuit I'm eating? Would it go really beautiful with a with blue cheese? Do you have that sort of train of thought? I wondered. <laughs>
5: Yes, I would have to uh, admit to it. I'm quite addicted to my work. So I never stop working in my head. And yes, I'm always thinking about (laughs) different pairings and what things will work well with. Uh, I do have quite a good taste memory. So all of those different flavor combinations are happening in my head quite a lot of the times. So um Yes, when we get a new cheese in stock uh, or a new wine, for that matter, I automatically try to categorise it in my head what it would work Mm -hmm. well with. So, yes, that happens pretty much automatically at this point. Mm. And you're in Scotland, whisky and
2: cheese, how does that, is that, you know, and again, I know that's a ridiculous generalised question, but just as a starting point, are there whiskies that go well with certain types of cheese?
5: That's absolutely a great question because I do know that whiskey is slightly underappreciated for pairing with cheese. Uh, I do get asked that quite a lot and I do like to encourage people to explore that uh, flavour combination, that uh, cheese and beverage pairing. Whiskies actually work great with cheese. And there are different, obviously, types of whiskies. And since we are based in Scotland, I'm a little bit of a whiskey aficionado myself. And I do know the whole Mm. different spectrum of whiskies available. So with the lighter whiskies, you could go with lighter cheeses. So when we start thinking about the kind of intensity and the body. So if you do have a whiskey that is lighter in body, Mm -hmm. I would encourage you to try it with a lighter, maybe creamier cheese like the triple cream I mentioned before. Or maybe creamier goats, Mm -hmm. milk cheeses and things like that. When you go up in terms of intensity and body of the whiskey, you will want to have a more mature, more complex cheese. So maybe something Alpine or a nice cheddar, especially Isle of Mull being here in Scotland mm. is very popular. Definitely recommend trying that, or things like Gruyere and Conte out of the famous uh, Alpine cheeses. And of course, when we get to the blues, you can try blues with uh, really complex, slightly sweeter whiskies, or you can have them with smoky whiskies.
2: I was, going to wonder, I was wondering about the peaty, the peaty, which I'm rather partial to those peaty whiskies. And I was wondering what they go with. So you would recommend what the earthy blues, to go back to your definition, or, the, or the, the, the lighter blues?
5: I would say probably more likely earthy blues would work better, but also smoky cheeses, because we do have the category of flavour-added cheeses that are smoked, and that's been a very clear... Matching scenario when we can match the flavor to uh, of your cheese to the flavor yeah. of your drink. So, like for like, smoky yeah. cheese is
2: smoky whiskey. Do you think people in Britain are very open-minded when it comes to to pairing cheese? Do you know are they? Uh, so isn't that strikes me about the British food scene is that there is an open and I lived in in Italy and like it's meant to a very different food culture. Um, a very a very deep, very rooted food culture. But Britain often strikes me as having a sort of open-mindedness in a way among both the food producers and the people who are eating food. Do you think that your customers are are really up? If you said to them, try this, this is such a fantastic combination, it sounds really unlikely, but would they be really up for trying
3: it?
5: I find that a lot of our customers are very open-minded, especially if they ask the right question and they're happy to explore. We definitely give them all the different tips and recommendations. I would say... um, By and large, in Britain, people are very excited to try new things, Uh, very much um, similar to the Americans, where where Mm. I spent some time uh, in the States, and I know that Americans are very excited to try new things. So I would uh, compare the British people to uh, Americans and I think they're very excited to try new things especially when they get some guidance on which routes uh, they should go uh, it can be very daunting it can mm. be a little bit strange and we don't know where to start kind of situation but yes with guidance uh, British people are definitely up for trying new things. And just if someone was listening here and they're thinking oh you know
2: this is such an interesting idea of you know finding what suits me and what I like and the pairings so is it something would you suggest to people you know to buy what one bottle of wine and some cheeses that three different cheeses that might go well with it and sort of sit down with friends and try sit the wine taste the cheese taste one of the cheese is that how you do you give some sort of guidelines as to how people might go around it or perhaps tell, give us some advice there
5: there's so many ways to approach this yes if you can only take one bottle with you for sure take a few different cheeses and explore and think about every combination separately so if you take in a bottle of let's say white wine take a variety of cheeses that your cheesemonger recommends that will work with this white wine and when you're trying them think why they work for you um what happens every time when you blend them together. But if you have a chance to go to a tasting event, and we do these occasionally online these days, and this now again happen in person, if you have a chance to go to such an event where you can explore different cheeses and wines together, I definitely recommend that. That was the best way I started learning about cheeses and wines Mm. back in the day when I worked uh, in New York. I was a volunteer at cheese and wine tastings, and that was the best way to learn about the different pairings and combinations and cheeses and wines so that is absolutely the best that must have been quite an
2: experience so yeah i mean yes you're right i know sometimes you know i get to go to um press events where you get which is always fascinating or perhaps you know sometimes you taste through um you know perhaps a christmas range of cheeses from a cheesemonger. I was struck by how good tawny port is um, as a as a drink that goes well with a range of
5: cheeses. Actually, is is that something that you would recommend to customers? Tawny port is amazing. It is very versatile, and it's such a complex drink. Uh, it is gorgeous and refined. So the um, Flavors that it offers do pair really, really nicely with a variety of cheeses from soft to firm to blue, obviously with the Stilton and Port being the classic combination here in Britain. So yes, it is one of those uh, staples that I don't think will leave us anytime soon, and I definitely support it. It's one of those classics. Let's just keep the Port and maybe add more to our repertoire of drinks as we go as well.
2: And what would you recommend, perhaps come up with sort of two or three really wonderful recommendations of pairings that you, you know, would you'd warmly suggest to anyone listening to this podcast that they should should give it a go that you think, you know, are really delightful?
5: Okay, if I, I'm thinking about different types of drinks, my favourite combinations, mm-hmm. the one that I've mentioned already, which is uh, Adelise de Cremier. Cheese paired with champagne, that's definitely a must. And now if I I move on to whiskey, I would like to recommend Speyside type of whiskey. So nice and caramelly with a good type of body to it. And I'd like to pair that with a vintage Gouda because I think that's a really, really fantastic combination oh, with the Gouda oh. being very caramelly, very intense, nutty. And Ooh. the whiskey having those similar caramelly qualities, that's a superb pairing. And just uh, to add a variation on our classic pairing with a Port and Stilton, I'd like to recommend that our listeners try Port and Stilton. And Stitchelton, you may know, is the raw milk version of the oh. famous Stilton. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's intense, profound, and complex. And of course, if you try that with our delightful Tony Port, that would be just the thing for Christmas.
2: Wonderful. That is brilliant. Well, thank you, Svetlana. And you know, and your book, The Cheese connoisseur's Handbook, has got so much information in it and sort of guidance. It's very, very lucid and interesting. So I warmly recommend it. Um so thank you for taking the time to come and talk to us on A Slice of Cheese. Take care. Thank, thank you. you.
0: Bye. To find out more about Food FM and our content, go to foodfmradio.com.
2: Thank you so much for listening to A Slice of Cheese. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you have enjoyed it, it would be lovely if you could rate us on wherever you found this podcast. It would make such a difference to us. So I hope you'll enjoy us again. Thank you very much.